you're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Apace or Apace is a self-sustaining, not-for-profit, benevolent community native nursery doing a number of really cool things in the space. Today we have as our guest the coordinator of the organisation, Joe Hetter. G'day Joe. welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. So what is APACE and how did you guys get started? Okay, APACE originated back in 1985 from what was called the Appropriate Technology and Community Enterprise. The group was made up by a group of professors and students, academics from Murdoch University, and they wanted to demonstrate sustainable living. Part of the thing here was how to build sustainable houses. We have a rammed earth building. They've done how to build a place using rammed earth, alternative um, solar housing interest. We won the very first that had solar powers and wind frames, all of that type of thing. And we also done recycling. It was one of the very first recycling, composting, and alternative energy places in WA. And the nursery actually started in 88. There was a bicentennial community grant given for Rocky Bay Cliff for some planting. And so Pace set up a small nursery hothouse and we actually grew 10,000 plants were planted for that enterprise. And then in 1998, with the support of more friends groups and council employees, started, we started to run courses. And one of them was a bush regeneration course. This was the first course of its type in WA, and then it got mainstreamed through to the land care courses at TAFE, and it was a very popular. In addition to those, we did run several courses back in the day, and there was lots of grants that provided for those. But as the grants kind of like dried up a bit, the nursery expanded with people wanting to plant more, and we were the biggest grower at the time of sedges and rushes and wetland species, that were for the Swan Coastal Plains area. So hence the name changed to APACE in the later 90s, which stands for Appropriate and Community Education. So we still want to keep our community and our educational focus while still doing the plants. And that's how APACE originated from back in the early days to now we grow 450,000 native plants per year. So if you multiply that over the last 20 years, we've certainly revegetated a lot of space in the Perth region. We do have the oldest community gardens in WA and here at a pace as well. It's been going over 38 years and has a total of 35 members in the community gardens as well as we do have a little plot there which is used by Atwell College as part of the community focus as well. So being one of the oldest community gardens, we get a lot of people come in here to have a look and see how it's set up and how it works and everything. But that's also part of what we are as well, being able to offer that. And that was one of the first initiatives that was set up way back there in 1985 when it was the development idea and the composting and everything. It's been going a long time. So you guys have sort of got a bit of a focus, obviously, on more of the native types of plants when you're talking about um, what you guys are actually selling there. 
Yes, we only sell natives and that's all. We only do WA natives, which are predominantly for the Perth region. It's called the Swan Coastal Plains. So we basically sell what's going to grow in your backyard. Right plant, right place. That's the one. So can you tell me a little bit about how APACE is different from other nurseries other than just that you only sell natives? Okay, being we're a not-for-profit benevolent community nursery, so hence we don't have shareholders or anything like that. We live on the funds that we make. We have not only the nursery, we have revegetation services, we have weed control, we have landscaping design. So we're, we're pretty well up at basically a one-stop shop, but that's the business side of us. So that money that we get in from that, that allows us to also offer to the general public, people with disabilities, the mental health system, students that need to work experience, all of that type of thing, and those that are socially challenged to come here to regain skills, to get to work in the ground and rebuild confidence and get some training in the process of it. That is one of our segments. We've got like three segments that make us different. We're definitely a customer, people-focused industry here. That Anybody that comes through our door, they're classed as we care about them. We're not here just to take your money and shove you out the door. We also have a, as I said, the rammed earth building that was built back in the early 90s. We do have this as a venue hire. We only really let it out during the day, and it's at a very minimal cost. We have had community groups coming through here running courses during the day we did have a mother's group that were here for nearly a year running a little coffee group every Friday just for new moms to get together that went on for a year until she grew to like 35 people which she outgrew the space and I'm also doing a bit of promotion to try and get people to know that we're here by running different little events and I want to establish one in March which is going to be quite a community-based event here to get people and groups together and to know that we're here and what we do as well. So how do you see the APACES role in the community? The role that I feel that we do the most in the community here is offering the venue as I mentioned before for people with disabilities, social challenge, mental health and students to come here and get the support and regain confidence in a safe and sound environment. We have a very calming environment here where we are in North Fremantle. It's a beautiful, we're situated on five acres. And as I said, we treat people as people, not as a machine. So we like people to build their confidence, regain their strengths to put them out there to forget so they can get jobs and feel entitled to themselves. So you're basically providing support for people who may not have a whole lot of support out there and you're helping them to reskill and provide a basically a brighter future for them. Yes, like we've had the Ability Centre coming here for the last 20-odd years and they come five times a week. One of the guys himself has actually is coming up to 20 years being here and they come four days a week and for them, this is their job, like, we don't get paid, they don't get paid, but this is for them. In their wheelchairs, they come and they do our pot cleaning and that type of thing. It's their job and they love coming. What have you personally learnt since taking over the organisation? I took over from Tony Freeman, who retired earlier this year and I've been actually in the role for the last couple of years. Uh, it's a community aspect 
and everybody that comes here and I myself, I treat my own staff as how I want to be treated and that everybody knows that we're still a business, they know their tasks and that's what we are but the organisation has given so much over the years and has grown into such a fast, we were one of the trendsetters if you could say but we just kept as a little business and that's hence why we're still our little community-based business but it's getting very hard for us as a community thing to survive against the private sector. So I do need to get acknowledgement of what we do out there and people to understand what we actually are and what we give back to the community. If you had to briefly describe what you are, how would you say in a sentence what it is that you are? Well, there's so many things that we can be. It's definitely the environmental side of things. And we take care with what we do. We don't just go in there and knock out things and spray for the sake of spraying. Everything's done with care and attention. Right. So you're an environmental nursery. We definitely, the environment is our main focus. With a social conscience. That's the one. That is definitely the one. You have You have to. And we're, we're all here because we love the environment and that's why we are planting these plants to keep the generation going on. And we have our seed bank here where we actually propagate provenance stock. So that seed is going back into that same park to be carried on the regeneration. So we've had seed here actually from the early 80s still, from sites that will be long gone. But we just hold it here. We collect and hold it for the groups whenever they want them to either spread out or we just hold them for them. That's really cool. It's definitely, it's a pretty amazing thing. So the provenance stock I actually class, that seed is invaluable because if there was to be a fire through that particular park or anything, if we've got seed, that would be the only standing seed to be put back in there. Oh, absolutely. That's incredible. And do you have a lot of seeds that maybe not a whole lot of places are actually keeping? There would be some there. As I said, we had seed back to the 80s, which the viability of the seed would be pretty scarce. But some we, we have just dabbled with just to see if it will actually suit and the odd bits and pieces have. But there is a vi- longitude viability of the seed, but it's all kept in temperature-controlled fridging here. Can you tell me a little bit more about the education and training that you guys offer? Sure. We actually do courses in seed collection, propagation, weed control, verge design and verge implementation in addition to these standard courses that we can run for people we actually have a totally curriculum adapted courses that one of my staff has gone through and he's mapped all of the curricula to map our horticultural courses so if a school was doing a particular units on propagation he would be able to map it and train it so the training that they got actually ticked those boxes so are they formally recognisable training or...? Not anymore. That's all changed, unfortunately. So mm. as a formally recognised, no. You can still put it on your resume, absolutely, and show people. Absolutely, absolutely. Like our seed collection course, we do that every year and we've had the councils and that coming for years into us doing that. Um, again, it's a bit hard against the public sector because there's a lot more people out there doing the courses now and a lot of groups have managed to get grants and everything. We actually did manage to get a grant this year for several local community groups and everything, and we're just in the process of running some of those courses as well. But unfortunately, if somebody has to pay for it, it's a bit more reluctancy on that side of things. 
Can you tell me a little bit about the payment structure for the training? On an average, our seed collection course was 150 for the day to do a seed collection course. The propagation, we control courses. Um, it depends if they want a half a day course. This is per person, of course. Whether they want a half a day or a full day course, it's 100 or 150. We do do for some of the councils and community groups where we will just go to them for a set price for the day and run the courses on site, on their sites and everything. So we can do that. So basically we can structure a package for whatever you're wanting. But our main one that we run here that everybody has been wanting is the seed collection course once a year. So that's the most popular one. Yeah, definitely. So it's on demand. So if anybody comes to us and says we want to run a weed control course, then we can certainly set that for them, no problems at all. And you mentioned that there was also some training there that you were offering sort of a special service for people with disabilities and mental problems and stuff like that. That's allowing them actually to come to our premises here at a pace to be social with the groups, be planting, be propagating, all of that type of thing. It's just getting them into the industry. And that's separate. Well, it's all, they're all just part of us. They're just treated like one of the our staff. They're just integrated with staff and all work together. They're not socially separated or anything like that. Oh, of course not. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's a big part and that's what I want to keep going and I want to be able to offer more, but I'm limited by my staff, my funding, that type of thing to how many people. As I said, we've had 300 people through here plus over the last and these goes from the Leeming High Schools, Castle Rays, Atwell Colleges, Seton College, Curtin University, TAFE, Ability Centre, as well as individual volunteers and work experiences. So we cover a vast array of people coming through. I can imagine there would be a lot of benefit for having some of these uh, courses for people. I mean, for me, as someone who studied at TAFE, I imagine that would be incredibly uh, helpful for people who are studying. Definitely. And our website was one of the best ones around for many years and the TAFE always used us because of the mapping systems that we had on there that actually covered all the Swan Coastal Plains and you can actually log on, look up your actual suburb and it'll list you all the plants that we recommend for your suburb. So basically what you're planting in there is what's going to grow in there. Not going to go and buy an eastern states and it might die on you. <laughs> yeah, right plant, right place. That's the one. <laughs> That's not the first time our listeners have heard that. <laughs> I bet. <That's>, <laughs> Absolutely bet. <laughs> no, that's just fundamental. Uh, we should get a T-shirt printed with that on it, in fact. I think that would be a very good one, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit more about some of the Council Verge initiatives that you guys have been a part of. Yeah, certainly. A pace has been participating in the May Verge initiative scheme for nearly the last 15 years. We originally started out with only four councils in the group and we've now grown to 13 councils being involved in the group and we generally will move, this year we moved approximately 50,000 plants went out to those groups during COVID. So it was it was a different year this year, it was set up basically like a click and collect but we didn't want people to miss out. On it, and it actually went really well. We were really happy with the results, and everybody was so happy under the current climate to be able to still get their plants to carry on their planting. I imagine. Yeah, no, it was really great. And as I said, 50,000 plants going out into those gardens, natives, it's really great to see. 
native plants, we just can't get enough. No, absolutely not. Which councils are involved? Okay, we have the local councils predominantly here in Fremantle. We have East Fremantle, Coburn, Melbourne, Mosman Park, Subiaco, Nedlands, Cambridge, Cottesloe, Claremont and Peppermint Grove are the main ones that come to our site. We do also go off-site and we have run a couple this year for the City of Gosnells and the City of Armidale where we've actually taken the plants and gone to their sites for their residence programs as well. And they're a really great day and move a lot of people through. I think the City of Gosnells had 2,500 people come through on the morning. 2,500 people. Yes, and Armadale was about the same. <laughs> That's huge. Oh, the line was way out the gate. Wow. Good on them. Again, given COVID, it was a fabulous turnout. One of the positives for COVID has definitely been nature. Oh, most definite. We have never been so busy. It's been totally insane. And also the off shots from other groups and everything that haven't been able to keep up with their own work so for us it's been a really fabulous year to be honest i think a lot of nursery people are sort of um, probably feeling the same i did close down the nursery to the general public and let all of our volunteers and disability sectors go i just couldn't run the risk and we just went to a skeleton staff so running this whole the subsidy scheme and everything through those months was definitely a very hard consuming one but we got through it and everybody was glad and it was literally a fun time considering (laughs) the time (laughs) yeah what more can you ask for than that absolutely can you tell us a little bit about your unique search tool Certainly. On our website, apacewa.org.au, you can actually go on to there. If you select under nursery, go to nursery suburb selector, you can actually pick up your suburb from A to Z. And under that, we'll be listing all the plants that we recommend for your specific areas. We also have a map type on there showing all the soil types, whether they be Bassadine Sands, Cottesloe, Quindalup, Burley, all of those type of things, so you can actually pick your suburbs that way. But having the suburb selector, you can then go to our availability list as well and then compare if that stock is currently available in the nursery as well. That is so cool. And if any of our listeners know something in Victoria that's the same, I really want to know about that. It's a great tool. It makes life so much easier. But we also have catalogs. So we do have, again, if you know your soil type, you can download a catalog, a PDF there for Cottesloe, and that will also list all the soil type, all the plants that we recommend and give you a rundown on how to plant and so forth. And we do do little blogs every now and then. We've got a blog, current blog up there on verge design and how to prep your verge ready for design and get it all ready and do your own little basic verge system. So who can volunteer at APACE? Generally, we like to take anybody that we can that we've had from basically 14 years up to 85 years old. Our last person, old Bill, he's just retired. Oh, no, sorry, he got close to 90. He was 90 and he just retired, but he loved coming. He moved over here from Victoria and this was his place to come and reestablish himself doing something he loved and meet people. Uh, So there is no age gap on anything, or as I said before, on the disability sector as well, or those that are socially challenged, we try to fit them in wherever we can. 
we don't have any discrimination against anybody. If we can take you on, we'll take you on. That's awesome. Yeah, we probably need a few more options like that out there. And I think you guys are doing some really great work. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. We're definitely trying to. And as I said, every dollar we make is a part. So if people like to get out there to understand that if they support us, the dollar that they spend with us, then it helps us to put it back to support the community. I'd like to talk a little bit about your staff now. Can you tell me what are you looking for in the ideal staff member? The type of people that I look for in my staff are people that are passionate about the environment. They've already shown that this is an industry that they want to be in by going and studying, getting themselves to a HORT 3 or a CLM are both strong contenders. Most people that I have come here, they already know about a pace through their TAFE or through their unis, and they know what we stand for and the type of thing that we do, that we're here for their environment and to revegetate and to support and build the industry as well as the knowledge of people. I have a really core group of staff here that they're all great guys and girls, and they work together as a team. Team is definitely my focus here. And nobody is any different to one another. If I'm needed out there potting on, I'm out there potting on or doing deliveries too. There's not an us and them. I believe everybody's equal and we should all make sure that we work together to make it. But in the day, the core is a pace and for our survival and to keep going to offer this to more people. What advice do you have to others that are looking to start similar organisations in other parts of the country and maybe even all over the world? Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell them that. (laughs) Oh, okay, that's a hard one because it's a really hard slog at the moment. Mm. It's definitely a very, very hard slog. It's probably something that I wouldn't recommend on that whatsoever type thing. The competition out there is very hard now. And as I said, we've been going for 35 years, but with the private sector, and there's some very large, large players out there. If you don't have the corporate backing and shareholders as a community group, it's a very, very hard slog. It's achievable. It is rewarding, but it is very hard at times to basically keep going, to be competitive. And that's the thing because, as I said, people still look that it's a dollar that they're paying for their product, but if they get a cheaper price somewhere else, that's where they're going to go. And that, But I do want people to understand that we are a community and what we make goes back into the community as well. Even if people aren't necessarily starting up an organisation exactly like yours, I think that there are a lot of really good things that people can be inspired by and maybe even just sort of take a few ideas and add them to their own business. Definitely, like... The community gardens, or what they call now social farms, that is proving to become very, very popular because it's also enabling groups to get together to take on volunteers for mental health challenges, everything to work together in the soil and the gardens. With That has a good sales side of things because there's always so many restaurants, that type of thing that's after good quality produce which can be achieved on the right sites. And I have actually the disability sector come through looking for information on how we've designed and set up because they are looking at doing the same thing with the site for their own students and staff. 
here in WA. As a consumer, I know that I'm actually often willing to pay a little bit more if there's a really sort of a powerful story behind what I'm paying for. And I think that when you're talking about providing people who may not have a whole lot of opportunities with sort of training and stuff like that, I find that a a compelling story and I am willing to pay more for vegetables for something like that. I agree because these students and the disability sector, they, they love it. To them, it gives them such achievement to see something growing, to get their hands dirty. Like some of our chores can be emptying pots, but to them it's something that they're doing, they love. I've got kids that have come from Atwell, Castleway, because they've finished their year 12s, and they're still coming three years later under a private carer because they, they just love it so much. And they just want to keep coming. Unfortunately for us, it means that I can't offer that space to somebody else under my current financial status. But, hey, these kids love it. So that's what we're here for. Awesome. So what's next for Apace? Part of my focus is to try and upgrade our old infrastructure here. As I said, we started off as a recycling place. And pretty well that's what Apace has been made up of is recycled materials. I have tried for donations and whatnot of materials, financial assistance, everything, but I've kind of like hit a brick wall in that. But part of my drive still is to actually come up with a new table design. We do have a water catchment system, but it's old, and I want to design a newer water catchment to be more environmental, recirculating, reusing, so that we can get off the town supply that we're on, or at least drop it by a very high percentage and make us more sustainable again, as well as environmentally friendlier and reusing our water. That sounds really exciting. I think that I would love to get you on for a whole nother episode to talk about that because I think that there's a lot of content in there. Absolutely. It's really good. I've currently got a prototype table being done at the moment and I'm going to put the two of them together and see what my water system off runs. As I said, unfortunately, grants aren't available anymore. We did have a very early grant back in the 90s to do a recirculating beds and everything, but they're old now. We need to use that next step. And I've got a bit of a background in hydroponics, so I want to bring the two of them in and do a total recirculating system to bring them together. That sounds very ambitious. It can be achieved. It can never, unfortunately, have to do start things small. And on my budget, it'll be one house at a time, unless I can get it all (laughs) together enough to get some type of funding and backing for it. Sounds exciting. Absolutely, absolutely. When, you know, I'm paying a $20,000 a year water bill. So if I can half that, as well as reduce that usage by half, would be amazing. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners on, Joe? I'd love them to come by and see us whenever they're in North Fremantle. Definitely come and see us. If anybody would like to donate in any way, they can do via our website. We are a benevolent fund, so anything over $2 is totally tax deductible. And we would appreciate any support that anybody could give us to continue this. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me, Dan. It's been great and I appreciate the chance to portray what a pace does. There's a link in the show notes if you'd like details on how to make a donation. And as Joe mentioned, anything over $2 is tax deductible. 
If you're in Western Australia, you can even support the organisation simply by paying them a visit and telling your friends and family. Maybe you have relatives out West that you can send this podcast episode to. Contact Joe and the team through a contact form on their website via a link in the show notes if you'd like to volunteer or help support the community in another way.